Hi there. I'm so excited to welcome you to the Arthritis Life Podcast, where we share arthritis life stories and tips for thriving with autoimmune arthritis. My name is Cheryl Crow, and I am passionate about helping people navigate real life with arthritis beyond joint pain. I've been living with rheumatoid arthritis for 20 years, and I'm also a mom, occupational therapist, video creator, support group leader, and I created the Room to Thrive self-management program. I am so excited to help you live a more empowered life with arthritis. We're going to cover everything from kitchen life hacks to navigating the healthcare system to coping with friends who just don't get it. Seriously, no topic is going to be off limits on this podcast. My interviewees and I share our honest stories of how chronic illness affects our lives. This includes discussions about mental health, sex, shame, pregnancy, body image, advocacy, self-acceptance, and so much more. You'll hear stories from all ends of the spectrum, from a person who's living in Medicaid remission from psoriatic arthritis to somebody living with severe mobility restrictions and severe pain from rheumatoid arthritis. You'll hear how people manage their conditions in different ways, like medications, mindfulness, movement, social support, work accommodations, and so much more. You'll also hear from rheumatology experts who just get it. We'll dive deep into the science behind chronic pain and what's the latest evidence for lifestyle changes that can help you thrive with arthritis, including exercise, sleep, nutrition, stress reduction, and more. This is your chance to sit down and chat with a friend who's been there. Ready to figure out how to manage your arthritis life? Let's get started. Hi, my name is Cheryl Crow, and I am passionate about helping people navigate real life with arthritis. I've lived with rheumatoid arthritis for 17 years, and I'm also a mom, teacher, and occupational therapist. I'm so excited to share my tricks for managing the ups and downs of life with arthritis. Everything from kitchen life hacks to how to respond when people say you don't look sick, stress, work, sex, anxiety, fatigue, pregnancy, and parenting with chronic illness. No topic will be off limits here. I'll also talk to other patients and share their stories and advice. Think of this as your chance to sit down and chat with a friend who's been there. Ready to figure out how to manage your arthritis life? Let's get started. Welcome to the Arthritis Life Podcast, Dr. Micah. We're so, so happy to have you here today. Oh, thank you so much, Cheryl. It's a pleasure. I'm honored to be on your podcast. Yeah. So, and for those who maybe haven't seen your amazing TikTok and Instagram before, <laughs> can you uh, introduce yourself a little to the audience, say where you live and what do you do and what's your relationship to arthritis? Yeah. So uh, my name is Dr. Micah Yu and um, I'm a rheumatologist and I'm also a patient as well. So my story started all the way back in high school. I got diagnosed with gout. Um, and then throughout the years, my um, arthritis really transformed. Uh, just I'm going to put pack in about 15 years into uh, five minutes. So yeah, diagnosis gal in high school because from a high protein diet, I was on Atkins diet at that time. I want to lose weight and get stronger, which I did uh, at the expense of my health. Uh, so after that, um, I still didn't pay attention to my diet. I mean, I stopped eating that much protein, but still I was eating junk food and sugar and all the regular stuff that people usually eat. 
and my arthritis actually transformed throughout the years where I started getting pain um, in multiple joints that was not typical of gout. So I went to see different rheumatologists in medical school. They couldn't really figure me out. Um, they said I had gout and something else. My inflammation markers were high, but all my antibodies were negative. So um, I finally got diagnosed when I was in residency of spondyloarthritis. Um, my, the rheumatologist, um, which ended up being my bosses because I went there for fellowship at Loma Linda University, they uh, ultrasounded my tendons um, and they said they found some inflammation there. It's called emphysitis. And that's putting the picture together, ended up being diagnosed with spondyloarthritis. And because um, there, there's a little bit of confusion in the community sometimes about like, spondyloarthropathy versus like ankylosing spondylitis? Yeah, so spondyloarthritis comprises of many different diseases. So okay. you can have ankylosing spondylitis, that's a spondyloarthritis. So psoriatic arthritis is also spondyloarthritis. It's like an overarching name. I have what's called peripheral spondyloarthritis where I don't have the lower back pain, but I have the pain in my uh, arms and legs. I didn't realize you got diagnosed in medical school. That must have been mm -hmm. so fascinating itself. But then, yeah, how did then how did that change your trajectory of what you were interested in as a yeah. physician? Mm -hmm. So I didn't really know there was a field of rheumatology until like medical school. Even though I had gout, like I wasn't really aware what they really did. Um, and during medical school, immunology was one of the hardest topics for me. All the rheumatology diseases, I didn't really understand it but I'm always up for a challenge. That's why I want to pursue rheumatology. And my pain really frustrated me during med school. And even um, throughout the previous years, I would get pain in my TMJ, uh, my wrists, my um, ankles, my knees. And Cheryl, you have arthritis too, so you perfectly understand. It's, it was yeah. so frustrating, morning stiffness. I wouldn't be able to eat for weeks because my TMJ was so inflamed. I would only be able to eat something soft like yogurt. Um, wow. and I couldn't really find a pattern with food or anything like that. It was part of the hardest times of my life, even during residency, it was really tough. Um, and yeah, the, the fact that I have these diseases made me want to go down the path of rheumatology to figure why I got this disease. Uh, what else can I do? And I refused medications. Um, the rheumatologist at the university offered medications to me. I refused it. I was like, I'm a doctor, I can monitor this. If I start mm. seeing changes on x-ray, that's my green light that I need to start taking medications. But until then, I'm trying to try to figure this out, see if there's any dietary pattern. Because I noticed that sometimes the certain foods would make things worse. I just didn't know what, and I wasn't eating a particular diet. I was just eating the standard American diet at the time. Yeah, in medical school, they don't teach you much about nutrition. I got diagnosed after medical school. I graduated medical school in 2015, so this one has oh, been 2016 or 17. <laughs> it's interesting because I went into the same residency uh, fellowship program uh, afterwards. Oh my god! <laughs> so gosh. they knew me pretty well. Was that weird seeing being colleagues with the same people that were treating you? Um, no, because we, we some of them I knew beforehand. Um, so mm. it's like it's. It's yes and no. It's like they're still your friends at the same time. They're because you see them so much. You do rotations with them, so they they know who you are. Um, and uh, we got along well. So, but it's interesting because they would always say, "Oh, she be on meds." So I was like, "I don't want to. I, I really want to figure this out." Uh, which really led me down the road of integrative medicine. So I, I learned about the field of integrative medicine during the my fourth year of medical school. But what got me into this whole dietary 
thing was um, my wife, she, so there's a new field now called lifestyle medicine. It's by the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. And there's six pillars that they go by or five. Um, they emphasize nutrition, um, exercise, sleep, stress, um, healthy relationships and avoiding uh, risky substances. And the nutrition part, they really emphasize whole food plant-based nutrition. Uh, so my wife is a doctor as well. She's studying medicine. And she found out about this field um, during the last year of her residency, which was also my last year of my residency. And so she's introduced me to whole food plant-based nutrition. She cooked like a total vegan meal during Thanksgiving. So not used to it. <laughs> I thought it was yeah. disgusting. <laughs> uh, it took me about six months later to really um, start giving this a try. I read, uh, I don't know if you know, Dr. Michael Greger. Mm -hmm. uh, he read, he wrote the book, How Not to Die. Um, and I watched um, the document Forks Over Knives. So I really gave this whole food plant-based diet a shot. So it, within um, three months of going on it, my C-reactive protein, which is inflammatory market, went negative after 10 years of being positive. I was pain-free within two to three months. Um, oh my so gosh. It was really amazing. Um, my ESR went down by half. So I was actually pain-free for over about one or two years. And then my pain started coming back recently because I've been eating more um, processed food, um, oh, okay. not as strict as a diet. And I do overnights now. So sometimes that stresses me out a little bit. Um, yeah. But overall, when my pain comes back, it's like a one or two out of 10 pain. And wow. it rarely comes back. I don't take medications at all for my arthritis, except for my gout meds. Was it hard to adjust like mentally to such a drastic diet? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was because I was a typical omnivore back then. Um, I also ate fast food every now and then. So um, it was nice. It gave me more energy. I lost almost 30. I've lost 30 pounds or 25, 30 pounds since I started. Wow. Um, and it's just natural. I didn't want to lose weight. Um, but because you're eating so much fiber and so much vegetables and fruits um, and a couple of carbohydrates that you naturally you can lose weight on it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I used to the way it's eating now, but the first like couple of weeks was definitely hard because you have to cook for yourself. But um, mm -hmm. back to the word integrative, because that's a word yeah. that not all patients understand either. We know it means something like um, holistic, you know, but is, how do you define being like an integrative rheumatologist? Yeah. So, um, integra so integrative medicine, um, is an actual field. Um, you can actually get bordered in it. It's, um, they have nice. at different, um, universities. I'm going through the one through university of Arizona. It's a two year fellowship. Um, but they have, it, I think at Duke at UCSF and different big name universities. And it's, a uh, it's at least through the University of Arizona. Um, I'm learning about Chinese medicine, acupuncture, environmental medicine, aromatherapy, mind-body medicine, Ayurveda, um, supplements and herbs and how herbs interact with drugs and what you look for. It's also with supplements as well. Um, the term integrative is very thrown around uh, very loosely. Um, a lot of doctors sometimes they'll put that into their um, name to as a marketing tool when they never had mm -hmm. formal training in integrative medicine, um, they'll maybe know a little bit about nutrition that's called stuff integrative. Um, uh, but I don't really consider that integrative. I uh, see. So you can get, if I understand this right, you can get a board certification in e either lifestyle medicine or integrative medicine or both. Is that right? Yeah. So lifestyle medicine is uh, through American College of Lifestyle. It's a new field. Um, mm -hmm. It was formed in 2004. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but the um, 
integrative medicine, it's actually much longer. So, so before the actual term lifestyle medicine came out, integrative medicine already had was emphasizing lifestyle medicine already because they talk about sleep and all these different things. Um, I don't know if you know the gentleman, uh, Andrew Weil, Dr. Andrew Weil, he's a doctor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's that bald guy. Yeah. Now he, that's his program that I'm going to. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'm sure, um, so many patients are just wondering, you know, what are some of the things like if they, if a patient was to come to an integrative rheumatologist or a rheumatologist with that additional, you know, lens of integrative medicine and lifestyle medicine, how might that be different than your typical, um, appointment with a Mm non-integrative rheumatologist? Yeah. Great question. Uh, so when you go to your typical rheumatologist, they'll talk to you about your symptoms. They'll probably ask you how you're doing, if you're lucky, and then they'll give you your medications and ask you if you have any side effects and then off you go. Uh, and that's usually like a 15 minute visit, 20 minute visit. Um, sometimes if you're lucky, sometimes I, I've heard less too from uh, patients. So yeah. if you go to an integrative rheumatologist, um, I mean, there's, there's no one way to practice integrative medicine, um, but typically they'll go over your nutrition um, they'll talk about your sleep, your exercise, and they'll also talk about your stress levels and give you ways to fight your disease in addition to medications if you need it. Um, but the way I practice is I really find out what my patient goals are. Um, so if they want less medication or they want to avoid it completely, um, if they're not that sick, then we're going to try to um, do everything we can to avoid medications. But if they're very sick, I put them right away on all the rheumatology medications that are necessary and then emphasize everything on the side that's lifestyle, that's integrative to get to wean them off of medications. Um, okay. Yeah. What you just said is, I think, one of the most um, important things for patients, but that is often not looked at in the early days when people are just kind of like in shock. Like, you know, when I was 21, I got diagnosed, my life was going in one direction. All of a sudden you get this bomb thrown, you know, like you have this autoimmune disease. But so I have seen a lot of patients online, especially on social media groups, um, be like, well, my doctor told me this. Well, my doctor told me this. Well, my doctor told me this. And it's very good to share information and, you know, support. But what you said about severity is one of the things I think a lot of patients, because I'm an occupational therapist, by the way, mm-hmm. I think you know that, but in case anyone else is listening. So I have some medical training, you know, I have a master's in occupational therapy, which is pretty much lifestyle medicine. We mm-hmm. do everything that's not, and we're not doctors, obviously, but we really look at habits, roles, routines, workarounds, compensatory strategies, life hacks. But anyway, the back to the point is when patients get, um, they're looking for like, what's the solution? Like, what am I supposed to do now after my diagnosis? And if you don't understand the difference, but like the fact that your doctor is going to customize the recommendation to your severity and your past history, then it's confusing to patients because they go online and they're like, well, why? Like I was put really aggressively on like in 2004 when I was diagnosed, I was put immediately on, why well, to fail sulfasalazine first. And then I was put on Enbrel and methotrexate. Like, and I went into immediate remission because I had really, really big numbers. Like my, it was very, very severe and an aggressive, you know, RA versus somebody like you're saying with more mild symptoms. I was going to yeah. turn that into a question, but it just turned into a little <laughs> rant. But like, do you find it that that can be hard for patients sometimes or, or to, to, yeah, to have that sense of like, what's the right path for me? Yes, as patients, um, some of them, they come to me because they don't want to take meds, but, you know, like if they're 
if they're very sick, I put them on meds right away and I don't mess around. Cause I know as a rheumatologist, I've seen patients die from these diseases. I, I, I do hospital consults on them, um, but I've seen very mild cases as well. So I see the whole spectrum. So I'm able to use my judgment to figure out when this patient needs to go on meds and when can we just try a more integrative approach. I mean, I have patients that um, are doing well off medications. They're in remission. Yeah. Um, just diet and lifestyle alone. And it's possible, but everyone's different. There's no one size fits all. Some patients may never be off medications just because their autoimmune disease is so strong. Um, it takes genetics and their environment to cause nature and nurture to cause autoimmune disease. My own path, uh, my own disease has really inspired me to really find out why patients are getting autoimmune disease and what can we do to minimize the use of medications? Because um, I'm sure that's every patient's goal is to be off medications. Right. Yeah, that, that completely makes logical sense. Um, and what are some of the most, let's cover some of the most frequently asked questions you get. I'm sure the diet is, is one of them. Um, mm-hmm. I saw you posted recently about vegan versus Mediterranean or plant-based versus Mediterranean. Cause those are the two that I see come up the most often. There are certainly some people that are doing well on like a keto diet, but I know that has other health risks. So, so do you care to speak to some of these conundrums? Like should, which one should I try? You know? Yeah. Yes. So, um, I'm plant-based, so not necessarily, so there's a confusion sometimes between vegan and plant-based. So, Oh yes. Um, thank you. I totally yeah. put those together. Yeah. But- yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I was confused at first at the very beginning. So, um, when you're vegan, um, you don't touch any dairy products, any meat, any fish. Um, for me, I would say I'm more plant-based. I was completely vegan for almost a year, year and a half, but you know, when you're at party, sometimes there's cake there. So like I'll grab a cake, um, right. but at home, I don't eat any animal products. Um, but when you're out, sometimes I don't eat any meat. I haven't touched meat in over since I started this. Um, wow. Fish, maybe once in a blue moon, because um, my parents eat seafood. Um, and sometimes I see them, it's on the table, but otherwise I avoid it. So I can't say I'm like 100% vegan, but I would say 99%. Um, so you know, when you're plant-based, you're more, you eat as many plants as you can, more whole foods, um, but you're not, necessarily ethical vegan um what, what was the other question so there's the mediterranean oh diet. mediterranean because i think there's yeah. evidence for that one so i yeah i think people get a little confused yeah yeah a lot of the literature they look at mediterranean diets and that's very can be very helpful too um so mediterranean diets they emphasize all extra uh, virgin olive oil fish as well the omega-3s um they also eat meat, but not that much. They minimize red meat and chicken. Um, a lot of fish, plants, a lot of plants involved are involved. So, which is why it makes it so useful, uh, anti-inflammatory. Yeah. So, you know, if you're adopting a Mediterranean diet, it's like kind of one step closer to a vegan diet. If you're comparing it, if your starting point is the standard American diet, <laughs> that totally makes sense. Oh yeah. There's also the paleo diet, which is very popular as well. Uh, the paleo diet cuts out grains. Um, they emphasize, um, they have, they still eat meat, beef, chicken, uh, but they cut out grains and I think they cut out dairy as well. Um, that's not the diet I advise my patients to go on. It's very popular because a lot of people probably have issues with gluten, with wheat, um, just because the way it's processed in the United States. Uh, but I don't advise people to go on that because grains, if you look at the data, people that eat grains, whole grains, um, live a very healthy overall. 
Um, mm. So that's why I don't advise people to cut off grains unless they have issues with it that they know of. I see. Okay, that that's good news for me because I like grains. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did notice at the 2020 rheumatology conference, a lot of people were really interested in one of the presentations about the gut microbiome. And there mm -hmm. was like a Stanford and Harvard and something else study where they showed that like they alter the microbiome based on like the Mediterranean. Did you see that one? I would say almost all autoimmune diseases have an altered gut microbiome, which is called gut dysbiosis, which is part of my foundation of what I do. Um, because yeah. you can alter your immune system through the gut from the food. And that's mm -hmm. through the gut microbiome. And because um, 67% of your immune system is located at the gut. So if you eat anti-inflammatory foods, it's going to send anti-inflammatory signals in the gut. And that circulates throughout the whole body. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Great. So that kind of covers a little bit of nutrition. What about um, kind of adjacent to nutrition supplements? Like I know a lot of us are told to try fish oil or you know, vitamin D or B12, but what are some of the mm -hmm. common ones that you recommend? Um, vitamin D, definitely. Um, studies have shown that lupus patients flare more when the vitamin D is deficient. Um, I think RA also as well, which makes sense because vitamin D is part of the immune system, actually. It's uh, located at the gut. There's receptors of the gut on the immune cells. So it makes perfect sense. It's, I would say it's one of the most anti-inflammatory uh, vitamins out there. Um, and it's also a hormone as well. It's very important for your bones. So I always make sure my, I test vitamin D and make sure my patient's vitamin D levels are normal. Um, Great. It's hard to over uh, supplement on vitamin D, but it can be done. I, I actually saw somewhere, someone was taking a, a very high dose of vitamin D for a long time and went like their level was off the charts and they end up getting uh, vitamin D toxicity. But I personally oh. have not seen that because it's very hard to do that. <laughs> if you're, wow. If you're following the doctor's direction. Yeah. And then there's fish oil. Fish oil has been shown to be anti-inflammatory as well because of omega-3s. Um, mm -hmm. You always want to emphasize your omega-3s over omega-6. Um, omega-6 are found in um, processed food, refined sugar, mm. um, some cooking oils and um, meat as well. So you want to decrease that amount. Okay. That's inflammatory omegas. And then actually now that speaking of fatigue, that's something else. A lot of patients aren't given a lot of guidance on. I'll say I had had my disease for six years before I even knew that the fatigue I was experiencing was related to rheumatoid arthritis because mm -hmm. I thought it was just in my joints, you know? Mm -hmm. So what are some other things that you recommend or that people can, should consider as interventions for fatigue? Yeah. Fatigue is very tricky because you can get it in fibromyalgia. You can get it by itself. You can get it from thyroid disease. Um, I would say, um, First of all, see a doctor and find out, get labs done, see if it's due to underlying issue. If it's, if you, even if you have a rheumatic disease, you can always have an underlying thyroid issue. Your vitamin D can be low. Um, you're deficient in some vitamins, uh, B12, folate, um, if you're vegan. Um, so really, um, first of all, just get labs. And then second of all, if you're not getting the answers you're looking for, um, then maybe it's time to look for an integrative doctor. Um, there's... I know. So there's integrated medicine. We, we haven't even touched on functional medicine because that's, um, I'm also studying that too on the side as well. Okay. Let's make sure. Yeah. We'll cover that too. Yeah. So functional medicine is, um, a field, um, that you don't have to be an MD to get, you can be a naturopath, you can be a chiropractor, um, but you can also be a DO or MD to uh, obtain your certificate in functional medicine. I'm taking the one through Institute of Functional Medicine. It's not that hard to get six weekend courses. Um, just to be honest with you, it's, 
to get a certificate and you take a test at the end. Mm-hmm. And some of it's evidence-based, some of it's not, uh, but I think it's very useful because they, they're trying to find out, the field of functional is trying to find out what's causing all these issues. They look a lot of biochemistry. They're very, um, they, they talk a lot about environmental toxins as well, which I appreciate, which is why I got into this. They have a module just on immunology. Um, so they're, I think they're, they're one of the first ones that talked about leaky gut um, before anyone else really emphasized it. And what I appreciate is that they talk about gluten and all these things, dietary questions that people always have, lectins, um, dairy, the gut microbiome, they talk about that. So I appreciate that. And it's important that um, when you find a functional medicine doctor, that you really look at the credentials, make sure they're um, doing things more evidence-based if, mm-hmm. if you can find one. Um, so these tests can run a lot of money. So you don't want someone that um, just runs a lot of tests mm-hmm. <laughs> and throws a lot of supplements at you. But I would say that's a good place to maybe start functional medicine or integration medicine doctor to look for the root cause of your um, fatigue because there's going to be so many issues. Hi, everyone. I'm interrupting really quickly to remind you that this podcast is brought to you by the Rheumatoid Arthritis Roadmap. It's a comprehensive online education and support program that I created from scratch to help people learn how to live a full life despite rheumatoid arthritis. In the course, you get to learn how to manage everything from physical symptoms like pain and fatigue to social and emotional aspects of living with rheumatoid arthritis. I even cover the logistics of things like how to track symptoms and how to advocate for yourself in medical appointments. To learn more, go to myarthritislife.net. One of the things I also learned when I went to the American College of Rheumatology Conference was how frequent it is for people with rheumatoid arthritis to also have a sleep disorder, even if they have no other underlying risk factor for sleep disorders. So like I, you know, because I thought, oh, I wouldn't, I don't have sleep apnea because I don't, I'm not overweight or like I didn't have any of the other risk factors, but, and I don't snore, you know, but they said, mm-hmm. you, sh- you know, they actually recommended that if anyone's feeling really fatigued to get a sleep study, just to rule it out. Yeah, sleep, you know, insomnia is a big issue too. Um, it's related to the, I think, inflammation also. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, there's a gut-brain connection um, out there. And, you know, a lot of the patients, they, they do have trouble sleeping. Um, they're either they're overweight or they have OSA. Um, something is causing it or it's the inflammation as yeah. well. Their medications can cause insomnia also. There's so many causes or they're, they're just staying up late because they're on the computer. So there's so many ways yeah. to tackle it. Meditation helps a lot. Um, a lot of mind-body mm-hmm. medicine is effective. Some herbs help. Melatonin can help. So yeah. Of- Other hot topic is CBD. I don't know if you're, mm-hmm. uh, we didn't discuss talking about this beforehand, yeah. but do a lot of your patients ask about CBD or do you have it in THC? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, um, 25% of my patients are on CBD, I would say. Um, it's something that we don't learn in traditional medicine, but I'm actually been studying it. I took some lectures actually recently. Um, so there's your THC component and your CBD component. Your THC component is the psychoactive component and your CBD is what um, is what you want because there's less psychoactivity there. Mm-hmm. And um, there is research is coming to show that there is some anti-inflammatory properties of CBD. Um, so you can take it, um, through tinctures, through drops in the mouth, you can do creams. There's so many different forms you can take, mm-hmm. and it can be useful. Instead of taking a ibuprofen or an NSAID, um, you can reach for a CBD, and it can relieve the pain instead, and you don't have the toxicity. 
Right. Right. Yeah. And the stomach side effects and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's pretty interesting area. And I know that the arthritis foundation recently did a podcast episode about CBD as well. So there are some good resources out there for patients. Mm -hmm. Um, we, I had a question from one of the audience members on Instagram. She wanted to know, um, is it hard to have your, uh, do you ever get overwhelmed with your personal life and your work being about the same thing? Meaning like, I think meaning being a patient and a provider in rheumatology, has that been hard balance or no? Um, it's been hard balance because I'm working so much and I'm yeah. trying to, um, I really have a mission here. Um, so that's what keeps me going. It's to really find out what's causing all this. Cause as a rheumatologist, you don't, you don't talk about the root causes of autoimmune disease, really. I mean, you do sometimes, there's obvious things out there, um, but you don't really talk about diets. You, you just, you know, you, we always talk about biologics, medications, we talk about studies of this medication versus this medication, um, but you don't really talk about the environment. Um, we don't learn about this stuff. Maybe the few obvious things that are very um, pronounced in the literature, but there's mm -hmm. a lot of things I'm learning about integrated medicine, like, um, pollution. I'm learning about um, things in your water, things in your carpet. Um, all these things are in your beauty products, in your canned foods, BPA. All these things can potentially play a role. Um, and I think we're at the beginning of research on this. So it's, mm. so I am not overwhelmed by what I'm doing because I'm so passionate about it. And I really want to find out what's causing all this. It is a juggle because I'm doing an integrated medicine fellowship. I'm taking functional medicine courses. Um, I have to do posts on social media. I have to keep up with that. I have to run my business, see patients there. I, I, I'm working at a county hospital and overnight as a hospitalist. You also started academic role, right? You're teaching? Yeah. So, so, um, so I'm an assistant uh, professor. So I'm at, um, I run at county hospitals and what they're associated with the university. Oh, uh, I see. Yeah. Yes. But I'm, I'm about to give grand rounds to a local university, to a, um, the rheumatology department. Uh, so wow. I'm, I'm very tough there. I'm talking to Lupus Foundation in May. Um, so I'm just, I'm trying to keep one foot in the academic world and more of the allop allopathic world and keep one foot in the integrative world as well. And it's a new language when you go into the integrative world. Yeah. And that's where I can see like, you know, you're, you're kind of bridging these two very disparate worlds. Ho hopefully the next five to 10 years will show that there's kind of like a meeting of the minds, right? Like, you I mean, we have, of course, the important like medications, but we also have this emerging evidence about like mm -hmm. the brain gut immune, mm -hmm. you know, axis relationship. So yeah, that's really exciting. <laughs> yeah. That's not things we talk about as doctors, unless you are passionate about it, you read the literature yourself. So if you could like wave a magic wand and change how medical school is structured or how the medical training is structured, what would you do? Nutrition's the first thing. And I really would appreciate if they would incorporate some integrated medicine into it. Even mm -hmm. if you're not going to use supplements and herbs and these things, at least be aware of it because your patients are going to use it. And when you go to your regular doctor, they don't know anything about it, like your herbs and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And it's important when your patients take it to know um, how it interacts with the actual medications that you're taking. Um, and a lot yeah. of doctors will not have the, um, the competency to advise you on that role. There sometimes can be this idea of like, oh, that's all not evidence-based. Like anything other than Western medicine is there's no evidence, but there's actually like this big gray area. And there's all, also actual evidence. Like I remember when I got SIBO, like small intestinal bacteria overgrowth, 
my um, naturopath was like, you know, weird. She's like, I know this is going to sound weird because she has autoimmune disease too. But she's like, you can either take an antibiotic for two weeks or these herbs for four weeks. And she's like, the evidence is actually stronger for the herbs. Like, and I looked at the research papers again, I'm not a doctor, but like, I looked to see what she's like, you can look at them and see like that the, the herbs actually work better. So, you know, it's again, mm -hmm. but I think something I've talked about before is like, it's, if you kind of have anxiety about your condition, or about your health, it can be gray areas are hard, right? Your mind just wants to cling to like black and whites so that you don't have to like deal with uncertainty. So I can see how, um, it seems like some patients go hundred percent, like, only quote unquote natural, no medication. And then others are like only medication, no natural. And it's like, we need, we need kind of a voice like you to be like, there's a middle ground, you know? Yeah, there is a middle ground. And um, it really is up to the patient's disease, what works and what doesn't. And it's so important that um, I would say to find someone that's integrative because it can really help minimize medication use. Um, mm -hmm. And it's kind of scary sometimes you when you go to um, naturopaths because some, sometimes naturopaths they say don't take medications. I, I, I believe in what naturopaths do. I'm not saying that, but no, no, I, no. I, had, I, I had a patient. I had a patient that um, who went to one and said don't take medications at all. But then you can't say that because sometimes patients do need medications. Um, and I think the natural pathway can be very helpful, but there has to be some middle ground where, you know, sometimes you do need medications and you do need a rheumatologist, even for the very, very traditional to at least be in the picture so that they can Absolutely. give you an opinion. Yes. Yeah. Abs. I totally, I'm glad you clarified that. Cause yeah, I would never go to only a naturopath for my rheumatoid arthritis for my disease. Cause it's too severe for that. And even my rheumatologist or my um, naturopath said like, you know, you need to stay on these meds. Like, and she has, she's on Western meds for her autoimmune disease, ulcerative colitis too. So mm -hmm. yeah, no, but you're right. There's a quality, there can be a quality control issue, especially if people kind of prey on people's fear, you know, yeah. um, of medication and. Yeah. But and then you have the other the side of the coin where you have their traditional MD who says <laughs> there's no evidence for any supplements or any of these things yeah. uh, or diet. And so like you're missing out as a patient. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm such a fan of what you're doing because you're trying, you're again, you're giving the middle ground, like the evidence for both sides, you know, quote unquote sides. You know, earlier you mentioned all the different projects you're doing. So I want to be respectful of your time. No uh, you have so much going on. Oh my gosh. I'm so no grateful. Problem. But yeah, is there anything else you wanted to speak to that we haven't touched on yet? Um, mm, no, I, I, there's, I just want to say that, um, if you're on medications, it's okay. Um, a lot of us are on medications. Um, I mean, the, the bad side of medications is that there's side effects, right? And not mm -hmm. everyone's gonna get side effects. I have patients that have been on Bolas for 10, 15 years, no side effects whatsoever. Me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also, yeah, yeah. But then you have patients that go on these biologists, get a um, allergic reaction right away or get mm -hmm. cancer like in a couple of years. And that mm -hmm. may be related to the biologic. So, it's really the patient's genes um, and how you react to these medications. But overall, um, there is a way out possibly, uh, but it depends on your genetics and everything around that, your environment as well. Um, so you can minimize medications, but you just have to find the right doctor or someone to guide you. That's so helpful for people, I'm sure. And um, just a logistic question because, you know, a lot of patients are just overwhelmed. Like literally, how do you find a rheumatologist that is integrative? Do you just look up that integrative? <laughs> like, do, will they have like an I, I am after their name? 
or no? No, no. So, um, so integrative rheumatology is not an actual, there's no like official field integrative rheumatology. Oh. Well, I just call myself an integrative rheumatologist because I'm doing integrative medicine and I'm doing rheumatology. Okay. And, okay. Um, but there are a small group of us that are integrative rheumatologists that are out there. You just have to find us on social media or the internet. That's pretty much it. Um, there's no American College of Rheumatology will not have a list of Doesn't integrative rheumatologists list. for you. Okay, um, that that makes a lot of sense. You got to go through the grapevine. And no, I had an interviewee early on, I think, in the first five episodes of the podcast, and she actually goes to a and she said he calls himself an re- integrative rheumatologist in New York. Um, so I know that there are out there people who call themselves that are out there, but like you said, yeah, it's not. There's not an official location or whatnot there's a very small handful of us yeah because not everyone believes in what we're doing either a lot of doctors they are Mm -hmm. um, very traditional and they'll Mm -hmm. say oh there's no evidence for that but you know just because you haven't looked doesn't mean there's no evidence (laughs) right right or that the evidence in the past wasn't that strong doesn't mean that you know things change in medicine Oh, and so you mentioned, you know, looking people up. So where can, I'm going to put everything in the show notes, like all your accounts so people can follow you, but in case they want to just hear where, where can they follow you? Yeah, they can follow me. My handle is my autoimmune MD um, on mm-hmm. Instagram, uh, t- TikTok, <laughs> Twitter, yeah. Facebook, and uh, my website's coming out soon, myautoimmunemd.com. That should be out in about two weeks from now uh, at so the latest. Exciting. Yeah. yeah, I have a blog. I'll, I'll be blogging about both um, traditional medicine and integrative medicine. So I really want that to be a home for autoimmune disease patients of all types, um, especially rheumatic diseases. Um, mm-hmm. I'll be talking about environmental medicine. I'll be talking about um, your medications that you're using, um, mm-hmm. biologics, the newest studies um, in both the holistic realm and the traditional realm as well. Well, thank yeah. you. Well, thank you for having me. I, I really appreciate you inviting me to. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Arthritis Life Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Room to Thrive, an educational program I created from scratch to help you go from overwhelmed to confident, supported, and connected in a matter of weeks. You can go through the pre-recorded course on your own, or you can take the course along with a support group. Learn more at the link in my show notes, or you can always go to www.myarthritislife.net. And if you like this podcast, I would be so honored if you took the time to rate and review it. I also encourage you to share it with anyone you know who might benefit from it. I also wanted to remind you that you can find full transcripts, videos, and detailed show notes with hyperlinks for each episode on my website, www.myarthritislife.net. If you have any ideas for future episodes, or if you want to share your story or wisdom on the podcast, just shoot me an email at info at myarthritislife.net. I can't wait to hear from you. Sure.